This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian recommended pet food brand, knowledge is Hills' first ingredient. With 220-plus veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide. For more information about Hills, their products, or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition, visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com or connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station. Listen online or at 100.5 FM. We're also sponsored by our friends at 1KC Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC Metro or online at 1kcradio.org. We're talking with Dr. Aaron Seiko of Home with Dignity about being there for pets at the end of their lives. That and more on this episode of Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. Welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the maze-like secret headquarters of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. That is true. I actually just walked a client through the building this morning Mm -hmm. to, um, well, we'll save the secret. I don't know when this is airing. It needs to be after Father's Day. Oh, right. Yeah, there is a secret thing we can't talk about. But anyways, she came inside the building and she hadn't been in here since before the pandemic. And so... Everything looked completely different, and it's crazy maze. It's so a, yeah, it's a huge maze, just teaming with people and pets and cubicles and. And it's cool computers. to see how much we've grown, even though we're like stacking on top of each other. <laughs> yes. But. Um. So yeah, of course we're here uh, at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services. A thing I did not write on the script, but I want to say it to you <laughs> so that you know it. Um, we're going to be talking with Dr. Aaron Seiko of Home with Dignity here in a little bit. But first, let me guess what some pet news, some pet news. A new study from the Royal Veterinary College shows just how far we've gone down a strange path when it comes to breeding dogs and the damage we've done. They looked at the vet records of around 4,000 pugs and 22,000 non-pugs to determine the odds of a number of illnesses and issues in dogs. What they found was that pugs are 54 times more likely to suffer from brachycephalic obstructive airway syndrome. Their uh, facial bone structure can cause breathing difficulties. Now, of course, this isn't a huge surprise to us here when we do surgery on pugs and other brachycephalic breeds. We have to intubate them because they tend not to be able to breathe very well on their own when in a prone position. It's also why they snort. The study also found that they had an increased risk of 23 other disorders, including obesity. But it wasn't all bad news. They did find that they were less likely to suffer from some things like heart murmurs and aggression. Um, But, you know, that's really looking for that silver lining there because uh, this is just it's not great. Yeah, I was just talking with Dr. Washington actually this morning and we were talking about when people crossbreed or just breed in general, mm-hmm. how they're more likely to have health problems and right. things like that. And, you know, some I feel like sometimes people 
may not think of what's behind the surface. Right. Because they, you know, they're in love with the look of the pug. Like, they're adorable. But what is that so causing? Much, so yeah. much has gone into that. And there's so many. We just did a, I did a blog post a few weeks ago about. Excellent blog. Thank you very much. About breeding and about um, how breeds have changed over time, really just due to the whims of people that want a dog and not due to any real science. I mean, it's really because there's a market there and that's a frustrating thing to see because we're talking about living beings. So, and if you're looking for a purebred dog, they are in shelters. So exactly. And they know they can help you out if you tell them what you're looking for. But next step, we have a story about the most responsible kitten in the world who was found right here in Kansas city. A few weeks ago, Casey Pet Project posted about a six-week-old black kitten, now named Binks, who was brought to its shelter after he was found taking care of three younger two-week-old kittens. The kind human who found the four of them outside said he waited for their mother to come back for them, but she never did, so Binks stepped up and did the best he could to look out for them until the person could get them safely to the shelter. Binks and the three kittens, now named Ollie, Frankie, and Ziggy, are currently in a foster home where the younger ones are being bottle-fed around the clock. Tori Fugate, Casey Pet Project's chief communications officer, said they all went to the same foster home because, quote, how could we split them up? Indeed. It's funny. I remember seeing this story, and I didn't realize that it happened in Kansas City. So that's pretty awesome. The pictures are super cute. So make sure um, you go into the show notes and check it out. I looked on their website because I was curious Mm -hmm. if Binks would be up for adoption since this was a couple of weeks ago. I didn't see him or obviously the The other one, the two week old kittens. So if you're interested, keep your eye out. Yep, yep, they'll be around. But also, have you ever fostered a kitten? Um, no, not a kitten. No, No. I've. You have to bottle feed them like yes every four hours, and I just want to really know what was going through this little guy's head when. Yeah. Before he was found. Mm-hmm. Like, did he know what he was doing or just looking out for them? Because he obviously couldn't feed them. Right, right. So yeah, I'm glad the person found them, though. Yeah, me too. Well, I tell you what, why don't we go talk to Dr. Aaron Seiko? All righty. Nothing compares to the special bond we share with our pets, which is what makes saying goodbye to them when they've reached the end of their lives the hardest part about being a pet owner. However, one local organization provides an invaluable service which allows both pets and their families to have a peaceful experience in the comfort of their own homes. On the show today, we're talking with end-of-life care expert Dr. Aaron Seiko from Home with Dignity. Dr. Aaron, thank you for being on Pet Resource Radio and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. And so you knew ever since you were six years old that you wanted to be a veterinarian. Why is that? <laughs> that is correct. When I was a little kid, I had I just wanted a puppy, just like a, probably a lot of little kids. Um, and my uncle had a couple of dogs that were not fixed, country dogs running wild, and ended up with a litter of mixed breed puppies. And I begged and begged and begged. And finally, my family relented, and we went and picked out a puppy. Um, and I brought home little bear, little ch- uh, shepherd chow mix, and she was just the cutest little bundle of fluff. And when we went to take her to the clinic for the first time for her first visit, it was just, it just hit me. It was just an instant. You could see yourself. Instant fascination. Exactly. I just knew exactly that that I want to do that someday. I want to be a vet. Um, 
going to age myself a little here, but back then on TV, I used to watch All Creatures Great and Small with James Harriet. And uh, I, I may be too young for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be I wanted to be that I wanted to do that I wanted to help help as many animals as I could. And so did you always know that you wanted to end up offering home in home euthanasias? And if not, what kind of work did you do before you found your calling at home with dignity? I can truthfully say that in-home euthanasia was never on my radar initially. I wanted to do everything from small animal medicine to zoo animal medicine, um, equine medicine. I have horses and love horses, so I started off doing some uh, equine work right out of vet school. I worked in an ER practice for a while doing small animal equine, or I'm sorry, small animal emergency. And um, then out of school, it just eventually progressed into small animal medicine. And so I love doing surgery, small animal general practice, you know, seeing patients day to day. That was what I've done for the past, um, for about the past 15 years since I graduated. And you're not originally from Kansas City, correct? Correct. I grew up in Northeast Indiana. And then after vet school, I went to Purdue in Indiana as well. And then after vet school, my husband and I settled in Northwest Indiana and we have a 10 year old daughter, Caitlin. You felt as though there was something more you could be doing for families when it came time to say goodbye to their pets. How did that lay the foundation for your next steps in your career? Over the years, I would hear um, staff that I worked with, clients, friends, family, telling me, wow, you're really good at euthanasia. And I was a little taken aback and at first insulted trying to figure out what they were trying to yeah. tell me. You know, it's a, it's it sounded strange at first, um, but then eventually I started to understand that they were actually not referring to the euthanasia, but to the fact just being compassionate and empathetic and understanding and just having a way with um, not only helping the patients through this difficult time, but helping to comfort and reassure the families that what they're doing is the right thing and to try to make that day just just a little bit easier for them um, is, is what they were saying. It's hard as a pet owner. That's the day that you never want to come. So, Correct. You know, it's always reassuring to know that the person who's walking you through it, you know, is there for you because you're very vulnerable at yes. that point too. Yes. So it's glad to know that you have a vet that you can trust yes. to make sure that also, it's not painful for your pet when they do cross the Rainbow Bridge. Absolutely. But um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do at Home with Dignity and what it's like being an end-of-life care expert? Yes, um, a little bit about what we do. So we are exclusive in-home euthanasia at this point. That's what we do. Um, so people will call and talk to our care coordinator to set up an appointment. And then when I arrive at the appointment, when I get out there, I spend a lot of time just simply meeting the family, meeting the pet, meeting the other pets in the family and trying to assess why they called, why they thought today was the day, what's going on and, and you know where we're at as far as that goes. Um, so a lot of what we do is is emotional. A lot of what we do I is imagine. is just yeah. trying to understand their needs and trying to trying to help comfort them and reassure them that Sadly, this is going to be the best course of action for them and the best way to give their pet some some relief. Um, and and truthfully, it is it is a very hard job. It is very emotionally draining, um, but it, it really it really can be surprisingly and overwhelmingly rewarding just to know that 
in a way that we are trying to make that very most difficult day just a little bit easier, just even just a little bit of just a little bit easier helps a lot. Do you ever experience compassion fatigue or anything like that? Ironically, I saw more compassion fatigue while I was in the clinic um, because when you're bouncing back and forth to healthy pet rooms, to sick pet rooms, to a euthanasia, back to a young puppy, that roller coaster of emotions, I think, gives you more compassion, compassion fatigue um, than doing this day to day because you know that what you're doing is overwhelmingly, um, it's just such a needed needed service. People are so grateful, so yes. thankful. And I think when you see when you see these patients, when you witness that look of immense relief and comfort cross over their face, like I just saw one this morning, just was just it it's just it's just it just makes you feel like you're doing doing the best thing you can for them. And that's why you do it mm-hmm. for that feeling. Exactly. Yep. And so do you have any specific stories that you'd like to share about pets and people you met or any sentimental moments you've witnessed through Home with Dignity? Oh, there's so many, <laughs> so many of those. We can talk about a few. Yeah. We got the time. Uh, there's So one of my favorites was one that, um, that I had um, witnessed. A, a client had called me because they wanted their cat to be able to pass away at home. And uh, they were a little bit nervous to ask about the situation because the cat loved to sleep in a plant um, up in the window. And it was (laughs) a typical cat, (laughs) a typical cat, but they were, you know, they just didn't think that it was something that could be done. And I thought, well, why not? You know, we, that is so thoughtful. Wherever he's comfortable, that's where he should be. And I could just see this. I mean, they, the owners cried. They were just so relieved that we were able to give that to him. So he was laying in the sun, in the fl- in the planter that was. You're gonna his. make me cry. <laughs> it makes me cry <laughs> thinking about it. But um, it really it really turned out to be just a special, beautiful moment. You know, just because mm-hmm. that cat just laid down to take a nap and passed away in the, in his sleep right where he wanted to be, right where they wanted him to be. So um, that's that was one of my favorite ones. Um, I also saw a, a dog. She was a farm dog and used to love being out there with them um, when they would cut hay in the field, and she would sit under this tree up on a hill. And so they they had asked, we know it's a little unusual, but could you drive out into this field? And so I we were way out there <laughs> in the middle of nowhere on top of a hill under a tree, and um, and they had laid down a blanket, and that's where we put her to rest. So... I think that finding those, you know, in situations like that, I've had several patients that love coming to the vet. You know, I've had several that just think it's so much fun to go to the vet and, you know, see us and be with us. But overwhelmingly, when it's time for them to say goodbye, um, either they they don't want to be there or they just want to be at home. You know, you just want to be at home. You just want to be in your special, your happy place. And so no matter how hard I tried and we created a beautiful comfort room at the clinic I was at, it just didn't feel the same as being able to give this to them. So, um, so there's, you know, so many stories like that. And I had a client a few uh, months ago, actually, that they had, somebody had found a dog wandering down um, I-70 and they took him in 
and uh, God love him, he used to hike his leg on everything. Mm-hmm. So he went from one family member to another family member to another family member before they finally um, found his place out in a farm way down south of the city. And he just was the most beloved dog. Like when I got out there to see him, he loved to sleep on a bed in the back of their truck. So they put the bed in there. We were in the barn. <laughs> we had him. Um, he was just laying there, and there were eight people with him, all of his previous people that have tried to keep him. He just, oh he was the gosh. cutest thing. And they told me um, that he was kind of in charge of that road. And if there were people that drove too fast on the road, he would run out on the road and just sit there until they stopped. And then he would pee on their tire. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he'd run back in the road. <laughs> so um, so we, you know, his as we, we helped him along to, to the Rainbow Bridge, he, um, we, were, we were joking that I said, when you get up there, I'm like, you're going to be the first one that pees on the gates. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And they, it was just, it, some of those just turn into such special, memorable, touching moments. So... And so one of the things that we focus on here at PRCKC is the human-animal bond. Do you have Mm -hmm. any stories about how that bond continues on after death? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, Yes, as far as the human-animal bond, um, just like you guys here, you know, you see it. You see it. I think everybody in our profession sees it, um, that it does continue. I've had several experiences over the years as far as no just – just some type of a reassurance knowing that they are in a better place, like a little reminder, a little sign, mm-hmm. a little reminder. Um, one of those was a client. This was years ago. This was probably right when I was out of school. I'd had a really nice client who we had to put her diabetic cat down and um, he was an orange cat. And she said, I just, she goes, I just, I love orange cat. She goes, I just can't imagine life without him. And um, she goes, I just, I don't know if I'm ready for another one, you know, the same same kind of thing a lot of people say say and then we took you know after after she left because we were in the clinic that day she left and she went home and she called me back a little while later sobbing and I thought oh you know my goodness what's going on like the same day the same day (gasps) an hour or two later there was an orange kitten waiting for her on her porch you're joking nope I got the goosebumps. Uh, see, that's <laughs> those goosebumps are what I'm talking about um that that's just one example there's so many Mm -hmm. others but I lost, sadly, our own dog this past winter. Um, Sorry to hear that. It's hard. It's hard. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we do mm-hmm. this. It's hard. Um, but our Deeks, our black lab, he um, developed uh, cancer, and we lost seven seven years old. Not, not old mm-hmm. enough. It never is old enough. But um, when he passed, my daughter was just devastated. Just, you know, she was nine years old at the yeah. time, and that was her best friend. And so... Um, we saw, you know, she'd always said the rainbows, the rainbow bridge, you know, that it gives her comfort. And we saw rainbows that night. We saw <gasps> rainbows. Once You're we moved me here, we saw the rainbows. And then she says, Mom, I would really love to find another dog like Deeks. And, you know, mm-hmm. oh, honey, I don't know that we'll ever find another dog like Deeks. She goes, but I'd like a little dog. And Deeks was a lab. Well, I was working, I was doing some relief work um, up in the Leavenworth area, and somebody called and said they'd found this little tiny dog wandering the streets of Leavenworth. So we went and took a look at him, and he's a little Heinz 57, adorable little guy, Mm -hmm. and he just has 
all of the mannerisms as Deeks. We always, we always. Isn't that something? <laughs> Deeks would just walk by you and just lick your face. And this little dog. And this dog doesn't, doesn't even the, know you. Doesn't even yet. know us. And then the kicker was Deeks would, I'd say, Caitlin, it's bedtime. Deeks would run and jump on her bed before, before we could even get over there. He was like, bedtime, I get in bed with Caitlin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this little Jack, she named him Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, <laughs> Love it. Little Jack, I told Caitlin when I okay, Caitlin, it's time for bed. He hadn't been there for more than a couple nights. He ran and flew in her bedroom <gasps> and jumped on her bed. That is the sweetest and thing. And then we all, we all cried. Of course. <laughs> so, How can you not cry? Yeah, I, I'm about to cry. There's countless and examples. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, countless examples of that, I think. So, yeah. Something special. Yes, for it sure. is. Yep. So how can people reach out to you if they're interested in at-home euthanasias? Absolutely. If people are interested in at-home euthanasia, um, there are several ways to get in touch with us. One, they can go to our website at homewithdignity.com or find us on Facebook, Home With Dignity. And then we have a phone number if you'd like to call and talk to one of our care coordinators. It is 816-608-6488. Again, that's 816-608-6488. And so lastly, do you have any final pieces of advice that you'd like to share with those who may be grieving or nearing the loss of a pet? And what do you say or do to help them along? That is a very good question because it is one of the most difficult decisions we make as pet owners is when is it time? Mm -hmm. And so if you think it may be time or you're unsure or you just have more questions And even if you've been to your vet and diagnosed with a certain condition and they've said it's probably coming and you're just not sure and wanting more guidance, you can also go to those websites that we just mentioned. Um, Go to our website. There are some links there that are available. We have links towards grief to help you dealing with the loss of your pet. There's people that you can talk to on there. There's um, links to different books and passages that you can look at. And we also have um, a questionnaire, one for dogs and one for cats, uh, that goes through the quality of life. And it can help you just to determine what level your pet is at. You know, in some situations, especially a slowly declining disease, it's hard to tell how much worse they are day to day when you see it every day. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at these questionnaires, you can oftentimes get a better idea of, of when that time is right. Yeah, because I imagine emotions completely take correct. over and you can't, yep. re- you don't notice it. Yep, yep. And if you if you get on there and you're going through those and you're still not sure, you're always welcome to give us a call. Uh, the care coordinators are very good at helping you go through that. They can put you in touch with me directly and I can do a consult over the phone or we can even come out and just do a consultation. Even if you're not thinking it's time, but you just aren't sure when it's time, mm-hmm. we would love to be able to help you. If we can just make that just a little easier for that for you, just to reassure you that you're on the right track or doing the right thing, then that's what we'd like to do. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Seiko, for being on the show today. I think Thank you're you. one of the one of a kind, Aww. honestly. Thank you. And the work that you do is really, really tough, but we all appreciate you for it. Thank you so much. And now, a brief chat with our chief veterinarian, Dr. Malia Washington. Hey, Doc. Hey. How's it going? Great. Okay. I want to talk to you today about 
what is an emergency? Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about emergencies. Um, let's talk about what 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 are you seeing? What do you what should people be watching out for? Yeah, it's especially important moving into summer in the hot months. Um, and the first thing that comes to my mind, especially with our brachiocephalic dogs, meaning mm. pugs, English bulldogs, right. Frenchies. We all love them. They're the cutest, but they really have a hard time with heat. Mm -hmm. um, so heat stroke is something that can happen very, very rapidly. And we really need to keep an eye out on especially our cute little smush face dogs, mm -hmm. to keeping them outside too long. Um, we really don't want to be taking them to our son's baseball games. We really don't want to be taking them out on really long walks in the heat of the day. It's not a good idea. Well, and isn't it also that you, the, the especially with those smush face dogs, it's the breathing, but it's also because the long snout on dogs generally allows it's a natural cooling system. So the way that animals will expel heat is mm -hmm. through their paws and mm -hmm. through panting. Okay. So yes and no. Okay. Um, the panting in a longer mouthed dog is mm -hmm. more effective, okay. right? So they're going to be able to breathe more effectively. They're, the panting is going to expel a lot more heat from their body gotcha. than it would with such a small area. And the back of the airway on a pug or an English bulldog is very compact and can swell as they breathe, as their blood pressure increases, their heart rate increases. So it's really the back of the throat mm. that we worry about and can constrict if they're panting too hard, too much, um, and which is why they're high risk for surgery and things like that. So um, with the heat, it just adds to that stress. And um, we don't want to put them in a stressful situation ever. We don't want to also add heat to that situation. Right. Well, what about, what are some other things? Yeah. So things that we would consider like a priority one, like 911, this is an emergency. Anytime right. an animal obviously is hit by a car, is um, having difficulty breathing, specifically for cats, mm. male mm -hmm. cats that have been neutered, if they're having trouble going to the bathroom, it could indicate a urinary blockage. This can be a very serious issue very, very fast. Um, we have helped with a couple of blocked cats here in the past couple of months. Yeah. So if you ever have a, even a female cat, but a specifically a neutered male that's having a hard time going to the bathroom, crying, there's blood in the urine, that can be an emergency. So we want to get them into the vet. Um, there's something that I've treated, actually, a German shepherd loved to play in the water hose. And so he would jump with the hose and swallow the water. And because he was gasping and swallowing so much air, he bloated. Mm. So signs of bloat, right. which can be like retching and foaming at the mouth. Absolute emergency. Can So in some of these situations, it's obvious, like obviously a hit by a car, that's an emergency. But some of these other ones you may not be watching for, like urinary issues in your cat or foaming when your dog is outside, mm. anything like that that's lasting longer than you know a few minutes, we may want to get him into the vet. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we've also... I've noticed recently had a lot of pyometra cases. Yes. Pyometra specifically, the word means essentially pus. Mitra mm -hmm. is inside of the uterus, right? So when a dog goes into heat, we want them to bleed for 10 to 14 days and then continue on their normal life. Pyometra, what happens when the dog goes into heat, the lining of the uterus somehow is unhealthy and starts to collect bacteria. Right. And essentially the uterus becomes a huge reservoir of 
pus. It's, Pio it's pus. gross, y'all. Super gross. It's real gross. But it's also very life-threatening. Right. Um, you will notice as a pet owner that there is a very foul brown, yellow, or bloody discharge that continues past a normal heat cycle. Mm-hmm. And your dog may be lethargic, not want to eat or drink. Um, so if you notice any of that that's associated with a heat cycle, we really want to get them checked out. And we, we have cases with, we've had cases here in the past couple of weeks with people who, you know, put off getting their pet fixed and they're like, I didn't know this is something that could happen. And mm-hmm. that's, that's part of that education that we do is, is trying to get that word out. That's part of what I'm doing right now is talking to people and saying, please pay attention, watch for pyometra, but also just get your pet fixed. Right. It's always important to get them fixed before they go into heat. You don't have to worry about it. The pyometras we've done in the past week have ranged from two years old to 10 years old, wow! dogs and cats right. can affect all species and it can be very, very rapidly um, emergent. So if you have any issues or questions, please just call us and we can help. Okay. Doc Washington, thank you so You're much. Welcome. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks again to Dr. Seiko for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Home with Dignity, you can check them out at homewithdignity.com. As for us, we're a nonprofit trying to keep pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to prckc.org, and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting app, please rate us and leave us a review to help us grow into the beautiful butterfly we know we're meant to be. You can follow us on social media. We're at PRR Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. So, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as Sigrid Nunez said, I like that the Aborigines say, dogs make people human. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. Written and hosted by Sierra Howe and Dave Shapiro. Recorded, edited, mixed, mastered by Dave Shapiro. Music by Hazel Rock Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries. 